with that. Um, Brother Hagin, he said we he said we used to you know have call him Holy Ghost beatings. He said when I pastored, to my when he pastored, uh, I think he pastored about twelve years uh, before he went into the field ministry. He said sometimes we get together on Sunday night and we would just have what you call believers meetings. And well, there wasn't a. Uh, in other words, there wasn't a message or a sermon that was going to be preached like it was Sunday morning. We just come wait and listen. And it could manifest several different ways. Those kind of meetings are blessings. We are not that we're not open. We always want to remain open to what the Holy Ghost wants to do and is doing. And certainly, you know, I've, I've heard people say, well, we've had such a move of God. At our place, we, our pastor hadn't preached for a half a year. Could be he just hadn't preached in a half a year. Because you need the spirit and the word. You, you get on either side of the ditch. I mean, the word's anointed, but th this book, you know, they call it holy, but uh, um, I won't go through all that. But I've, I've been in the print business. I know exactly how you make this book, every part of the book. Uh, I know how you do it. I know how the letters get on the page. I know who puts the ink in the tray for it to get on there. I know who runs the, how the paper runs through the machine so it can print this. I know how the leather bound's made, and I know how it's glued together. Seen it, done it. Uh, and, but that doesn't make it holy, does it? No, it takes the presence of, of the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And so I, I believe there's still a move of God. Uh, if we're not in the last days, we're closer than we were yesterday. That wouldn't take much revelation to figure that out, would and uh, I know I don't have 100 years ahead of me. And some of you in here might have 100 years. I don't think so. But anyway, it, it'd be close for a couple of you. So time, I think, is short. And we need to um, understand the times that we're in so that we can flow with the Holy Spirit. Um, we was talking about some of those things Wednesday. And, um, and I might have left the impression, I don't want to get into Wednesday because I don't have time to do that. But um, about having a, for me, I said, you know, I'm very thankful uh, for what God has done and is doing. Very thankful. I said, but still within me, and I, uh, there's a, uh, a holy, I'm gonna, I call it a holy dissatisfaction. A, a hunger that uh, is not satisfied. Now for me, I, 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 well, I hope I, and I pray that I always keep that. I don't ever want to get to a place to where I'm just content, say that's enough, and just let's just camp here and just, just do this till the end of time. You know, there's always more. We, we don't know it all. We haven't experienced it all. And if you're hungry and you're thirsty after righteousness, then he feels that hunger. And he feels that he, he already filled it in Jesus. But that doesn't mean that you've experienced all of it. I mean, there's more to experience. And so... I, I believe that we're um, um, have, uh, having been a student a number of years of, of revival and awakenings. Um, really was put on that path in 2006. I didn't know I was going to be on that path 2005, summer 2006, where I ended up in extensive, extensive hours and hours and hours and days of prayer. Days in, day out, day in, day out. Um, what I thought I was going to do, I didn't do. And um, um, that's why I've always said, they say there are seven 
redemptive names of Christ? I said, no, there's eight. And that eighth one is called Jehovah Trickster. And so I was convinced I was going to do this. And then when I went to go do it, I didn't do. And he said, well, just, just, just wait a week or two. That's what he said to me. He said, well, don't, don't call and get that meeting over here. Because I had a pastor said, you know, as soon as you're ready to come, he said, it was in hospital, he said, just, just come on. He says, let me be the first one to help you. And uh, really nice guy. Uh, um, graduated from Jerry Seville when he had his Bible school and, and uh, Pastor Steve. And so I, I was headed up there to pick up the phone. And I heard real distinctly, uh, don't, don't call him now. Not, not now, just, you know, un unpack a few more boxes. And, uh, and let's do a little praying. And I thought, well, you know, well, this is a different vein for me to flow in. So I, it, it'd be good for me to do some extra praying. You know, I never only did what I ever did as a pastor. So on the field, it's going to be different. That's what I thought I was doing. He says, so just wait a couple of weeks. Well, that couple of weeks went into three weeks. Then it went into four weeks. Then it went into a month. Then it went into two or three more months. So I ended up finding myself going uh, to a lake every day. Uh, close by where I was living, and I just took what you might call sack lunch. And I just sent out, I spent hours. Never done that, anything like that before, never done anything like it since. Well, you, you know, mo most people couldn't do that, go all day long. And, um, and I was helping um, the ministry where I was at a good bit. Um, um, wasn't there to work f uh, for them as far as salary compensation, although there was some of that, but, I was, but, uh, but to minister, I ministered. Uh, every week in prayer, um, and I ministered uh, healing school on Tuesdays at that church, and then I preached um, one or two of the Wednesdays. And uh, but I spent a lot of time in prayer. Uh, I may mention this before, I may mention it again Wednesday that until you've been in long seasons of prayer, I didn't know this until I I actually experienced that until you've been in seasons of prayer where you give yourself to prayer. You're, you really won't have a, a clue many times what the Holy Spirit is doing or what he wants to do in your life because there's just not time made available. And you say, well, I don't have, you know, all day or four. And I would say you didn't. And no one, no one ever said it requires all that. Well, I found out, um, that was 2005, so a few years has passed. And there's three main things that he spoke to me about during that, that year. Uh, two of them, I didn't understand why he'd be talking to me about them, but um, um, he was talking to me about, uh, um, one, one of them was leadership, but I won't get into that part. Uh, but the other two, he said, I want you to, to continue, but study, be an art, do an ardent study of revivals and awakenings and why they started and sometimes why they stopped. Why they succeeded and sometimes why they didn't succeed. When I thought, I don't know why you want me to study that. I mean, there's something I, I need to get on the road and, you know, start ministering. And then he said, he, and I said, well, Lord, you know, I need to go minister. He said, yeah, well, let's just wait one more week. <laughs> I said, well, well, you know, the cookie jar is getting a little bit low. He said, uh, you study what I told you to study, and I'll, I'll take care of the cookie jar. And so supernaturally for a year, supernaturally, I never had it happen this way before or after. Supernaturally, financially, we, was, we were taken care of, and I didn't work a job, and I, I ended up going to, doing two meetings there in that year.
neither one of them the Spirit of God led me. It's just my flesh got so tired of sitting and I couldn't hardly stand anymore that I got up and said, well, God wants me to go here. He, he didn't. And it helped the people. I mean, I, I, I didn't bring, you know, doubt and unbelief. I, I believe we helped them. They said we helped them, but it, 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 was, it was Eric. It wasn't, it wasn't the Holy Ghost. Matter of fact, when I got back that night, um, I missed the morning service and um, they had uh, Steve Sampson. Y'all know who Steve is. He's a prophetic and has a prophetic ministry. And he's used to be on TV a whole lot on TBN and, and uh, really accurate with the word. He's one of the most accurate people I've ever seen with the prophetic word. So he, um, I came that night to that service. Well, that morning I was off at the church. I, I'm just telling you, I, I should have not have been there. It, I mean, I, I told the pastor afterwards, I said, well, um, he said, what's the matter? I said, well, I probably really shouldn't have been here. He said, why not? I says, he says, uh, you got, he said, I've been on both sides of this. He says, you got, you got tired of sitting? I said, I guess I did. He said, well, you helped us. I said, well, that's good. He said, he said well, I'm not going to pay you much. And I said, well, I didn't think you would. You're so cheap anyway. We, we had that kind of, you know, <laughs> we, we was messing with each other all the time. Anyway. I got back to the, you know, where we was at the local church and Steve Sampson was there that night. And uh, he ministered about, dear Lord, everybody in the building but me. And uh, by then I had direction to know what to do. Um, didn't know the particulars. I just uh, thought I was going to travel. But he told me in October 2005, he says, no, you're going to pastor again. That shocked me. That literally shocked me. Because, you know, why would I leave if I'm going to pastor again? And uh, I'm, I'm, I'm really telling on myself here now. So <clears throat> I got it in my mind. I would go to North Alabama. That's where God wanted me to go to. And Bill enjoy, enjoy this. And I just knew he'd probably want me to start a church you know, around Gunnersville. You could see that when you Bill. Bill probably come join me if I did all that. <laughs> we would call it the cypress of, of men. We're, we're, we're fishing for a lot of things. Men and, men and fish. And, uh, but I just enjoyed the water in the lake and I was trying to convince myself that's what, so I went up and rode around three or four days, you know, just praying in the Holy Ghost because he's always showed me a building. I mean, they don't, it don't have to work that way, but my experience is I've never had experience where he didn't say, this is it. So I'm riding around, you know, just praying in the spirit and whatever. And he's not showing me about three days. And, uh, and that third day I said, Lord, you, you've been really silent. I said, you're not showing me where to start. He said, I couldn't. You're not, you're not in the wrong. He said, this is just what you, this is something that, that you come up with. He said, this is not me. And I said, oh. So he said, oh, he says, he says, here's all I want you to know. He's, do, he asked me three times. He said, do you understand what I'm telling you, that I'm telling you that you're going to be, a, that you're going to pastor? And I said, uh, yeah, I, I just, I, I, I mean, I just, I, I thought I was going to do this, and I really thought that. I, I mean, I really believed. It. I mean, I would not have made a jump if I. I mean, I really would not have done that. And then I said, "Well, could you at least tell me where?" He says, "That doesn't really make any difference right now." He said, "Do, do you acknowledge I'm telling you you're going to pastor?" And I said, "Yes." He says, "One more time." He said, three times," and I answered. I felt like Peter having to walk back. <laughs> and uh, so he didn't tell me and I said well it just seems like if I'm going to and, and I'm willing to and I am willing if that's, if that's really what you want me to do I'm going to do anything you, you know I'm going to do whatever you tell me to do you know I am with your help I'm going to do it 
And uh, I said, so wouldn't it be good just go ahead and get started? He says, no. Sure ain't. Time ain't right. Wrong time. And that's what he said. Uh, he said, it's, it's, uh, it's October. And he says, in a few weeks, it'll be Thanksgiving and Christmas. He says, and that's when people, he said, especially in America, he said, they, they go into extended celebrations. He says, the millennium is not open to any kind of change. And they're not even paying a whole lot of attention. I've, I've thought about that a lot through the years, you know. I thought, well, sometimes the Lord has to wait for people. It's not, it's not even his way or his will. But he doesn't force anybody to do anything. He said, I'll talk to you about this in January. He said, I'll take care of you. You just keep doing what you're doing. Keep praying and keep studying these situations. I mean, the revival and whatnot. And I said, OK. But, you know, time went by then. He, he didn't say anything. And I mean, I know it was only like two and a half months. But it'd been like, I kind of just forgot the whole conversation. Like, I, you know, he's like, when you're out of the moment, you know, and then weeks go by, then a month goes by, and two months goes by, and then you're, th you're into your third month. I wouldn't even think about all that ever. So I'd almost talk myself back out of it. Then all of a sudden, on, on, a, on a Sunday morning, just like this, I was standing up in that church during worship and praise, and just all of a sudden, just out of nowhere, everybody there, they're singing, music's going. And all of a sudden, I, I can see and I can hear everything, but all I could hear is what the Holy Ghost was saying to me. And he said, I want you to go to Brother Hagin's meeting in February. He said, go to, go to Tulsa. And gave me some instructions what to do there. Well, go back to that time when, when uh, Brother Steve was there. He, uh, I missed that Sunday morning because I told you I was out preaching somewhere came back to that Sunday night and he ministered about everyone and they, it was a great blessing to that church. Afterwards, he came to me. He says, I, I had something for you, but he said, I didn't think I need to give it out publicly. And I said, okay. He said, uh, I, I would have gave you this word this morning. He said, actually, the word came to me while I was getting ready in my hotel room. He said, I just got out of the shower and I was shaving and I saw your face. And he says, give him this word. He said, but he won't be there this morning. He should be, but he won't be. <laughs> he said, I don't know how you miss God. He said, anyone who misses my service misses God. I said, well, that's probably true, but I don't know if that's why exactly I miss God, but go ahead. And uh, so the Lord told him, you know, he says, he won't be there, but he'll be here tonight. Like, like he's missing me today, but tonight he'll come back and be in my will. It's like, okay, Lord, do you have to tell everything? <laughs> and uh, he said, the, the Lord told me, you know what you're going to do now. And I said, I do. He said, that shocked you, didn't it? I said, yeah. I mean, I said, so he told you? He said, well, you're going to pastor again. And I said, yeah. I said, that, he said, that really shocked you, didn't it? I said, tremendously. Tremendously. He said, I bet it was more shocking to you when you found out where you was going. And I said, uh, made me sick to my stomach. Not because, not because of the who and the where and the why, but because it doesn't make sense to me that God would do that that way. It made it difficult for a lot of people. It took spiritual maturity for a lot of people to work through that. So I'll always, you know, be eternally grateful for that. So sometimes it takes a while to walk back a mistake. Looking back, none of that had to happen. 
But you can convince yourself of all kinds of things to say the Spirit led me to do this, the Spirit did, just because you're frustrated with things. You ever been frustrated with things and one just wanted to change? Amen. And then it's easy just to say, well, you know, God's doing this, let's go. Well, you know, that was, that was 2005, so I'm a little bit older than I was 2005. I, I, you know, in this age, I don't feel like walking back things for five years. Because, you know, if you make mistakes, you know, some mistakes, <clears throat> like you can go up here, you know, to the Jacks or you can go up to Burger King and you can get the combo number seven and the new deal. And, then, you know, they got a picture of it on TV and then you go there and get it. And it's like, really? I mean, who took the picture? I mean, honey, who shrunk the hamburger? You know, who shrunk the kid? But you could not like, really like the combo. Well, you know, so you're out seven to ten bucks. That's okay. You're out seven to ten bucks. You just want to order that again. Well, but there's some things you can't walk back that fast. It may take you a year, two or three years just to get back to where you started. We don't have time for that. And we don't have to do that. Now, thank God in his mercy, he took care of everything. He took care of us actually in grand style. And uh, but that time during prayer, during that year, and it probably was a good thing that he took me off the off the scene for a while. I mean, this is an explanation you ain't never really heard. It probably was good for me and y'all that I wasn't here for a while. I wasn't mad at anybody. I was just frustrated with everything. And you don't want to you don't want to hear from someone who's frustrated all the time. <laughs> so. Um, and some of it was personal and some of it, you know, was minister. And, and I, had a, I had a big dissatisfaction with what was going on in church and more, mostly what wasn't going on in church. I had a big taste for the miraculous and the supernatural and teaching these things about these in Christ realities and knowing who we are and was seeing lots of miracles. You know, when you, when you, when you see blind people see and deaf hear, People that are dead be raised. You see, you know, cancer being destroyed, and you're seeing limbs, you know, that are going to be amputated, and they're not. More than that, that just creates an appetite that that just that's just hard to. And then the local church is a little bit different because you know you're you're there every week, and they're there with you, and you're with them, and there's a wonderful blessing to that. But churches can become complacent. It's not necessarily the, the people's fault, and it's not necessarily the pastor's fault. Uh, but the, there was a move that I was wanting to see and I was eager to do it. And, and it, it seemed like there was a stoppage, like it, like it wasn't, that, that I couldn't go forward in, in the way that I was doing it, that it must be on the field, not in the pastoral ministry. It wasn't, the, it wasn't y'all, it wasn't the people. It's just like, you know, you can't have a, you can't have a church that you build just on, on healing. There is no gospel of healing. There, there's the gospel, and healing's included in the gospel, but there is no gospel of healing. Is that, you all understand what I'm saying? And so uh, that's what I thought I was moving into. Well, I was wrong. Uh, but I was on the other side of wrong when you done moved. And, uh, and you, know, you know, the Lord didn't really chastise me. He didn't whatever. Uh, he, he, he knew what I was doing. And what I was going to do, and, and um, matter of fact, uh, and I'll get off this, but matter of fact, when you just look at it, 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 it's not even, 
maybe his perfect will, but maybe his permissive will that I walked off for a while and, and left, in very, left uh, the ministry in very, very capable hands. So that wasn't ever going to be an issue, but in very capable hands. But uh, no one will remember this, but, but I'm, I've known about this, you know, because I've had to think about this for years. You know, how did that happen? Why did it happen? Uh, let's don't do that again in, in a sense of because it can set you back. And he says, um, do you remember? And I remember the Lord tell me, he says, do you remember actually Steve was at your church before you left? He said about two months before you left. And I said, I do remember that. And I went back. He says, go back and get the tape and listen to the tape. And um, Steve Sampson gave me a word. This is about two or three months before I, I left in 2005. And uh, Steve's, <laughs> Steve's been all over the world. You know, he's, he's like, you know, you wake up, you can't even remember what city you're in. And he's trying to really scale. He's not retired, but he's, he's wanting to do less meetings now. He's slowed down a good bit. And uh, doesn't want to do any more TV. He's, he's writing a lot of books and, you know, has several books out. But anyway, he... he uh, he ministered to me that morning. He said, you know, this is strange. He said, I've never given a word like this in my entire ministry. And I thought, oh, gosh, I'm, I mean, I must be in major trouble. I mean, I know what he's about to say. I mean, you know, you've been all over the world, and I've watched you on TV, and you're about to tell me something you never told anyone. And so I didn't know. It, it was really simple what he said. He, says, he said, the Lord understands what you're doing and, uh, and where you're going. That's, that's how I said it. And the Lord said that it'd be okay. He says, uh, he says, and I'll keep my hand on this place. That was the end of the word. We well, see that made a whole lot more sense to me year, you know, two, three years later than it did then. And it wasn't because anything was wrong with uh, why I was gone. It's just sometimes you just, you know, for me, it was just time off. Time off. And so now... I'm actually hearing things and watching God do things that he talked to me about in 2005 or six, which I know seems like a long stretch to, to us as, as people. I don't suppose in the way the Lord thinks time, you know, 2005 or six is too far a stretch for him. Do you? I mean, was that like a half a second? But I'm just now seeing it. Now, and I've heard that from people like Brother Hagin and, and Or Roberts and all, you know, all of them say that that we're, we're just now doing things he showed us, you know, 25, 30 years ago. I've heard Brother Copa say that many times. Y'all ever had that happen to you that the Lord talked to you about something and it, and it came to you with such intensity and maybe there was an excitement to it that you just thought he's talking about this afternoon or in the morning. You know, I've, I've, given, him, I've given him services, you know, way beyond the, um, what they tell you sometimes, give it till it hurts. <laughs> Someone said, uh, Someone told me one time, said, I'll give to a hearse, but I don't have much. They said, I'll give to the hearse, but I don't have much capacity for pain. And I said, okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Which means when you check the offering, there won't be, a, there'll be some pain in there, but not a whole lot. But anyway, I've given before that I thought, man, give it. I mean, can you give that much in one, in one time, one offering? I thought the angels would meet me home with all kind of stuff in my yard. And there wasn't one of them there. <laughs> that ever happened to y'all? Like, surely the Lord's going to meet me on the way in the car and we're going to have to pull off and just write a whole scroll. <laughs> well, that's amazing if it happens that way, but that's not, that's not the norm. And so now we're just walking out things then. 
you know, Moses had like three, he had 40 years, 40 years, 40 years. He had a baby and how he was rescued, you know, and in, in Egypt and under Pharaoh's wing and his sister and all that. And then he had 40 years, you know, in the wilderness. And then the Lord called him back at the age of 80. Well, who cares at 80? It's like, these people need some help. That's their problem. You know, I was interested in that 40 years ago. You wouldn't, you wouldn't say, let's go do anything. I'm 80 right now. I'm going to senior season and have my lunch today. <laughs> Playing bingo. Cashing my check. Love you, Lord, but leave me alone. Got my mansion about ready? Well, so Moses comes back at 40. Well, see, he's a whole, whole lot more reliant on the Holy Ghost because now he, he's not going to kill anyone with his bare hands. That's quite a feat if you think about it for an 80-year-old man. To run up there and say, uh, I'm telling you, you're going to let go of two and a half, three million free employees. Can you imagine that? <laughs> I mean, Moses told the Lord, you know, what to do. And the Lord said, um, Moses said, I'm not eloquent of speech. No one's that eloquent of speech. You tell them you don't let go of all the, your free employees. But it, was the, but it was the last 40 years was the best. And so we're all in different places and we're all in different phases. And we have to understand where we are. And we have to be like the sons of Issachar to know our time. Jesus says, you can, you can tell me when it's going to rain. You can tell me maybe what's going to snow. You can tell when storms coming up. He says, but you have no time. It's like you have no discernment about the, the spiritual time that it is. What the climate is about. Well, I, I would say... I don't know how close we are to it. And it's already happened in other places and has been happening. But I say we're very close to a place. You can determine anything you want to. You can call it revival, which is a word that's way, way overused. And for some people, that just means we're having a meeting on Sunday and the evangelist coming in is going to preach till Thursday. And we're going to kind of refresh up and go, woo, 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 and then go home. Well, that's not really what a revival is. I mean, I think it's more of an awakening. But you have to be revived. You know, revival's for the believers. It's not for the unbeliever. Amen. Right? Re revived. If you're not born again, you've never been vibed. Don't look it up in the dictionary. I don't think it's in there. But I mean, just you have to be vibed before you can get revived. Huh? You can't restore a car that's never been stored. <laughs> See, I mean, you, you know, to, to get a, a make-do, a, a, a do-over. Well, that's... This church and every church, probably every church we know needs one. I know, I know we do. To where people become, you know, a little apathy sets in, a little, you know, we're kind of complacent. And here comes the holidays and it's just, you know, we love God. We love, you know, the church and we love, the, you know, the people at church. And, and all that's wonderful and great. But God has a huge plan. If all these were, if planet Earth was all your, your children, which one would you wouldn't want to make it? Which one would you want to leave here for seven years of tribulation? So he could come before we get through speaking. And most of us would be glad about that. But I'm praying that we have some time left. To gather in a huge harvest. And uh, there's two schools of thought on this among Pentecostal charismatic people that... 
you know, God's going to do something that's going to drop out of the heavens on them, and they're just going to, we're going to walk around like, you know, spiritual, you know, Arnold Schwarzenegger's, and, you know, like, oh, 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 and we're going to be modern-day Samson's, you know, because something's going to drop on us. And um, going to do something that comes on us. The other school of thought among word people, charismatic people, those who've been taught who we are in Christ and what Jesus has already done and the finished work of Christ, that there'll be awakening to that, and then, you'll, then we'll rise up and do the work. That's more my school of thought, but this is, this is, these are just my opinions I'm interjecting, so I always remember that. I think it's going to be both. If you, if you ever study revival and, and awakenings, you'll find out that God supernaturally moved in ways that they weren't happening before that happened. And, and you'll never see a revival that came and lasted without prayer. Um, but, but then let me tear that up a little bit. Because you say, well, then that's the recipe for, for a major revival is prayer. Well, maybe it is and maybe it's not. It's not like, you know, like, you know, to have a revival, we've got to get with God and we've got to pray, you know, and sit in sackcloth and, sackcloth and ashes, you know, for three months and then talk the Lord into what we're interested in. You're, you're more interested in helping people than he is? No, if the prayer did anything, what it did is it just broke up the fallow ground in our heart. Because by, by and large, the times that we're living in, which is near the end time, is not the end time, actually the world has evangelized the church instead of the church, the world. To where you almost can't tell the, the world from the church. Huh? And things that people do, they would never have done in their early Christian walk with walk with God because they know what they knew. They just knew it was just wrong. It's just, it's just plain wrong. It's sin. But then the heart becomes so calloused. That's a dangerous place to be. You ought to read the New Testament. It's a dangerous place to be. When you know to do right and you don't do right, it's just it's just called sin. But it's a dangerous place to be to, to, to be in that place. And, and Paul talked about these last days and perilous times shall come. He talked about the days that we're in in the sense of the things that we're dealing with, you know, with the genders and stuff like this. And he said, but these times are going to come. But he talked about there'd be a falling away of the people of the faith and what their lifestyle would look like. He said, well, I thought he was going to preach grace. I, I am. I am. God didn't remove the effects of sin and what it can do to your life because he brought grace to you. He, got, he, he gave you his grace to bring you out. Not just stay in there and he covers it up and looks the other way. Grace does cover, but it's not a cover up. It's to bring you out. Amen. So when we're like that, but there needs to be a revival. There, there, there needs to be re revival. And, and that's what prayer does. It separates you, you know, whether we come pray for 30 minutes or an hour or a day that, that you know, it's off the service and it costs you something to do it. And it's a volunteer army. It, I mean, Sunday's a I mean, every, every day church is a volunteer. You know, everything I've ever done for ministry was I own something or I manage something. And they were all paid. So there were no volunteers. Either you did it or you fired. 
Then I come into ministry, you, you, you can't really fire people. I fired a few people in my mind through the years. <laughs> like, you're fired and you're, you're out. But, but it's different that way. And, and when you take time to separate yourself to pray, you, you'll get the heart of God on it. When you study some of the currents that took place in, in uh, um, the Hebrides revival over in Scotland off the island of Lewis with Duncan Campbell, I was talking about some Wednesday where there's such a move of God, they can't get them in the building. And people, people who don't even know there's a revival going on, you know, within blocks in a few miles. They didn't even know who Duncan Campbell is. They're not even in church. Had such a conviction upon them, such a conviction upon them that they felt so guilty. They didn't go to a church. They went to the jailhouse and wanted, wanted, the, jail, uh, wanted the police to, to arrest them for being uh, unruly and mean to their wife or their kids or whatever. So I'm guilty. And they're just sitting there sobbing and crying and saying, arrest me. Well, you don't hear that on the news every day. Arrest me. <laughs> you know, that I, I don't want to, you know, uh, where it says, uh, you know, you don't have to say anything because whatever you say is going to be used against you. They're, they're telling you what they're guilty of. And they're asking you to put me in jail. I'm guilty. Well, they didn't know what was going on. So, I mean, they had to come back, you know, they had to come to the, the place and they found out. They said, well, there's some revival going on down, you know, a few miles from here. And uh, so the police got in the car and they came to the church and they, they stopped Duncan Campbell while he was preaching. And he said, what's going on? And he, they told him what's going on. And he said, my gosh. He said, you, you're going to have to come do something. We can't arrest these people for being mean to their wife or their kids or cursed them. And so some of them said, you know, I've been kind of backhanded her. And she said, yeah, and I put some X-lax in his food. And all. <laughs> you know, everybody's wanting them. They're all guilty. And no one's preaching to them. See, that's a move of God. That's a revival that hits beyond the church. It goes into the community. That's an awakening. But that was birthed in prayer. And it came from two ladies. Two. Not 202. Then they had to see if they could get the pastor interested in praying. One was 85. One was 87. One had, uh, I forgot what type of arthritis was, barely could walk at all. And the other one was completely blind. But they could pray. But they could pray. And they prayed. And they talked to the pastor and they got in his heart. And they heard about Duncan Campbell. And they called him. He says, I'm, I got meetings booked up. I can't be there for two or three months. And, and, the, and the, little, the little two ladies, the one with the rheumatoid arthritis and the other one with the blind, they told him, said, he can't come for months. He said, no, the Lord said, we're going to start next week. He said, well, he, he can't come. She says, well, I don't, that ain't none of my business. That's the Lord's. He, she said, she told me he'll be here next week. Guess, guess when he came? You got it. He came the next week. <laughs> How did he come the next week? See, the plan comes from the Lord. And, and you know, he says, well, we, we make a plan, but he orders our steps. He directs your steps. So I found out during that year of prayer that you could go back the next day because you had, had such a level of fellowship and intimacy with the Lord that it was no longer someone called the Trinity 
and it wasn't just Holy Spirit, or Holy Ghost. He was a real person to you and you spent two, three, four hours with him the day before. And it's not that he was there and then I would leave and go home. But that was just kind of like a marked place, you know, that I, that I would meet him there every day. Of course, he, you know, I talked to him at home and all that. But it was a place to where, you know, the kids weren't there and all the stuff wasn't coming in on you at one time. Like I say, it's never happened before since because, you know, life don't work that way. Yeah, but you just can't tell, look, I'm going to have to take a year off and pray seven hours a day and, and just packed lunch and y'all don't deal with me. You know, I'm not, you know, I can just to see all the wives. Y'all cook all y'all's own food. Pay, I mean, I'm, I'm not doing anything. I'm just praying. Well, that's probably going to be an issue somewhere along the line. Especially if he cooks like me. When time for me to cook, I just go to the restaurant and bring something home. Amen. I can boil water and make some toast and stuff like that. Well, I mean, I guess I could, you know, boil a hot dog or something like that. But then, you know, you got to get all the condiments out and the Lord knows who, you know, cut some onions up and cry like a baby. I think that's the time that we're in. And he just wants to sensitize our hearts to it. I, I, I got all these notes right here, the beautiful notes that I have labored over and have not even talked to you about one of them. So let me just see what he wants to do right here this morning. We talked about, we won't go there, but Ephesians 5 talks about redeeming the, redeeming the time or redeeming the time because of the days he said are evil. He said, be not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. And then verse 18 of Ephesians 5, Ephesians 5. The, ver the 18th verse says, but be filled with the Spirit. Be what? Filled. Filled. Now, different translations um, denotes what he's really saying there is not just be filled, but be continuously filled. You know, just because you've been filled with the Holy Ghost and spoken in other tongues, it doesn't mean that you always stay full. Life has a way of draining that out. You ever noticed? Feelings can go up and down and your want to's and your desires can go up and down. And we have things that you're dealing with, you know, then you, you got a lot on your plate. Sometimes, you know, you just got seasons in your life, you got a lot on your plate. And that's okay, too. Just make sure the Holy Ghost is with you while, make sure he's on the plate. Well, let me give you some of these scriptures. Can I do that? Um, Isaiah 28, uh, 9 through 12 says this. I'm reading from the King James. It says, Whom shall we teach knowledge? And whom shall we make to understand doctrine? Them that are weaned from the milk and draw from the breast. Verse 10, for, for precept upon precept, line upon line, here little, there little. Now, Isaiah is a, is a, is a priest, a prophet. Prophet's a seer, right? They see into the future. Well, Isaiah's prophesying, you know, Christ before he comes. He's prophesying the cross. He's prophesying the, the whipping post. Well, he, he's prophesying something will never, will be in his dispensation in the time he lived. We know that by this next verse. Verse 11, for with stammering lips. I could do a 30-minute study on just stammering lips, but that's not my assignment today. For with stammering lips and another tongue will he speak to his people. Now, now, he's talking about your day now. For with stammering lips 
in another tongue, he will speak to you. He didn't speak to them except through the, the prophet, the priest, the king, or someone he might have anointed for a little while for a specific purpose. The anointing had to come upon them. The anointed one lives in you. You are, uh, it, it, it's hard to get y'all to go wow because we know these things. But I hope, I hope you listen to this. Only the prophet, the priest, the king, had the anointing come upon them, never lived with them, just come upon them for service. The Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit is God. Three, three in one, right? God, Father, God, Son, God, Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit is much God as God is God. Jesus is much God as God is God. So they're all three in one, but very distinct in, in separation of, I don't like to use the word function, but I'm trying to think of a better word, or how they manifest themselves. I think the Holy Spirit is the one who's thought about the least. We understand that he's the only one really on the earth today. But now, but now listen to this, and I know you know this, but when you just think about how they had to go and make sacrifices and how it had to be to the jot and tittle and how the priest had to go in there and, and how many priests didn't make it, they did one little thing and they just touched something the wrong way and they were dead. That's why they you know, tied that rope around his ankle and bell so he said, I'm still in here, still making it. You know, like, you know, I got to offer sacrifice for me and then I got to do it just right before I can offer sacrifice for y'all. And they tie the rope because, I mean, you, you made the wrong move. Or you like the young guy going steady to the cart and you become crispy critters. Hmm? So in other words, what's, you say, well, that, that, I mean, why would God do that? Uh, he doesn't need man to prop him up. He doesn't need your help to be who he is. If I don't catch this, God might fall. But God didn't take the fall. They took it out of Obadiah's house, and Obadiah didn't want it to go there. <laughs> you know, they, they left it there for, what was it, two, three months? And then David hears about Obadiah, Obadiah's house getting blessed so much, and his kids getting so blessed. And, you know, his chickens have more eggs than, than humanly possible, or chickenly possible. <laughs> Not humanly, I don't know what you call it. A a animal possible, I mean, whatever you call it. And, and he kept on getting, he says, oh, yeah, they're, they're, they're getting blessed. Because, you know, we, we didn't bring it all the way back into the kingdom. It's, you know, the, the temple's in Obadiah's front yard. And he likes it. Man, they're getting blessed. He's rich. His 401k went out through the roof. And David said, you go get that thing right now. And Obadiah, you know, he, he, he wasn't for that at all. What did it represent? What did the Ark of the Covenant represent? God himself. The embodiment of God, you could say, made in a box. I don't mean to, I don't mean to make it a crude sounding, but because, I mean, you had gold and all such as this. But you put God, you know, where man could come to a place to worship and to fellowship in one sense. He said, I will be here. It gave them a point of contact, you could say. 
it wasn't that he wasn't everywhere. He still was, but it gave man in his in our little peewee minds like God's right there in that box behind that curtain. Yes, no. And so the guy is going to stay to the cart. He loses his life. But he chose you to live in this dispensation where you're you're the box. You're the headquarters of Holy Spirit. You're the holy habitation of him who's holy. I, I don't know what else to say about that. I, I just don't know what to say. If I don't impress you, I don't, not the way I, I said it or eloquent speech or, artic, or articulated, but I mean, but if you understand what I'm talking about, if, if, if that's not deep calling into deep, I, I don't think we can get there from here. He said, with stammering lips in another tongue, he'll speak to his people to whom he said, this is the rest. So when we speak in other tongues, which is what I'm trying to get to, he says, that will bring rest to you. People need rest, spiritual rest, peace. He says, to whom he said, this is rest wherewith you may cause the weary to rest, and this is the refreshing. They asked Smith Wigglesworth the time, said, do you ever take vacation? He says, what's that for? They said, rest. He said, oh, yeah. He said, I stay on vacation. They said, Brother every you're in meetings, revivals all over the world. I, I've never seen you. He said, we meet every day. He said, oh, every time I pray in the Holy Ghost. He said, I'm, getting, I, I'm on vacation. I'm on rest. He said, that's why you see me stammering so much. And they said, do what? I mean, <laughs> they don't even know the scripture he's talking about. He said, I, I stammer. He said, I used to stutter, but now I stammer. You know, did you know he was a stutter? Just like Oral Roberts was a stutter. He got healed and he got filled. And when he got filled with the Holy Ghost, the, uh, Oral, Oral was dying, you know. And he was in a car. He had tuberculosis, which was deadly. And that day didn't have any miracle drugs. And he was going to a healing meeting. I got the guy's name at home that was preaching it. I can't remember right off. But he was actually healed in one sense on the way there because that was a young boy. He heard God speak to him, scared him. He said, I'm going to heal you tonight. He says, and you're going to take healing to your people and to your generation. Well, he was still just a young kid, teenager. He was dying of tuberculosis, lung disease. He got there and laid hands on him and he ran around the tent and he never quit running. He said, but instantly, he said, uh, he said stuttering was gone forever. He didn't go to therapy. They didn't give him any exercise to do. They didn't do no counseling. He didn't see a psychiatrist or psychologist. They didn't give him any medication. He come in contact with Holy Ghost. Holy Ghost knows how to fix your issues. He knows what you need to do. He knows whether you need to start that business or not start it. He knows how to make it profitable. He might tell you to shut it down. I don't know. He might tell you to, you know, it's time to start the family. He told me and Michelle not to have any more kids. And we said, okay, we won't do that no more. Praise the Lord. We, she heard it and I heard it years ago. Years ago. And he's smart, isn't he? Keith, Pam, I think he's telling me the same thing to tell y'all. Amen. 
I'm not sure about Tabitha Scott. I mean, uh, <laughs> I got that Abraham Sarah faith. I just don't know. Praise <laughs> the Lord. <laughs> Mr. Clint, you want any more children? <laughs> you know, you through? Praise <laughs> the Lord. Amen. Well, so praying in tongues is not something we do to set us apart as Pentecostals or Charismatics. It actually was the command that Jesus gave, what we call the, you know, the Great Commission. Go into all the word, preach the gospel. He said, when you preach the gospel, he said, I will confirm it with signs following. He said, he said they'll take up serpents. If they, if, he said, if any deadly thing touches them, it won't hurt them. And he says, he says, then they'll speak with other tongues. That wasn't for his dispensation. It was for ours. He said we would speak with other tongues. That's in Mark 16, 17. Then when you go to the book of Acts, chapter 2, you, and you do a little refresher course there, we know that they were all waiting because it was the promise of the Father that they should wait. Jesus said, don't start the ministry. He says, wait. Well, what were they to wait on? Who were they to wait on? You know, Luke 24, don't go there. Luke 24, 49, he says, he says go to Jerusalem and tarry or wait there until you receive the promise of the Father. In other words, they were going to, Acts 1, verse 2, said that these are the things that Jesus began to both do and teach. Now, he didn't finish it. He started it, but we're all going to finish it. But Jesus was God, but had to lay all that aside to become man. He was God and man, but had to lay all that aside. And then he had to be anointed, just like you and I had to be anointed, of Holy Spirit to do the works of the ministry. Jesus had to be anointed of the Holy Ghost. He wasn't here as deity. God and man in one. Did you realize that you're God and man and God and woman? See, we, we, we put Jesus in the class all by himself. He is in the sense that, that he is the son of the living God. He is the Messiah. He is the creator of the earth. But in ministry, he's not in a class by himself. You're human, but you're not just human. Jesus came born as a, as a baby in a manger. He was human, but he was not just human. When you, received, when you received the new birth that he came into you, you no longer are just a human being. You're, you're, you're human, but you're also superhuman because you was born of him, born of his blood, not of the will of man or flesh, but born of the Holy Ghost. God breathed into him, but he also breathed into you. How do you know the Holy Ghost is here and his presence is here right now in your life? Take your pulse and see if you got one. If you got a pulse, you got the presence of the, oh my gosh. <laughs> so come on in, step in and step through the door and see the great wonders that I have awaiting upon you. For I have made them keep and I have kept them ready. And I am happy and I am excited. I'm giddy. The heaven stands and waits for this day. And this is the time and this is the hour. So listen to what the Spirit of God is saying to you. Not what a man says, but how he says it, or his personality. But I speak to you today and I say, arise and shine for your hours come. We were singing that song, I requested it. Keith Moore wrote that song, you know, a lot of you know that. I was, in, I was in a lot of those Holy Ghost meetings. 
<laughs> and, you know, and, 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 you know, Keith went to Raymond. He's from Mississippi. His family's musically inclined. He could play by ear. He could play any note he wanted to. That's, it's one of one you can do that. And, and uh, so I'd be in a lot of those meetings, Holy Ghost meetings, and Brother Hagin, you know, he, he just waiting to hear the next thing to do. And that very song, just like the whole album, it's on. We're going to be playing more of those songs. But just like that song right there, I remember that song. Brother Hagin be up on the meeting, you know, it, the meeting's two or three hours, you know, Holy Ghost meeting, people from all over the world. And uh, Brother Hagin said, uh, Keith, where are you? Keith, uh, he says, come on up here. I believe you got something. You know, Keith would tell you after a while, he said, I did. <laughs> I did. Well, from time to talk for him to get from his pew up to the stage at Rainbow, you know, take a few steps, depending on where you're sitting. Then that, that means he's calling him up here to do something musically. He knows that. He sits at the piano. And by the spirit, he sung that song we sang. And two or three more that night that ended up being songs going all over the world. W when did he get it? Well, he, al he always had it in one sense, but it never manifested until he got up out of his seat and went to the piano. Now, I wouldn't like that. And I don't think you'd like it either. Brother Hagin says, come on up here. We all want to listen to what you got. Uh, uh, what I got. Bad breath, uh, you know, I mean, what, 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 Brother Hagin, what, 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 what. So, see, he had to do that by faith, didn't he? Amen. I got something. Brother Hagin said, I got something. Oh, God, show me what I got. <laughs> so, so he had to step out. See why Brother Hagin needed to teach faith? He said, faith is not the whole thing. He said, you know, the, the, he said, that's my call. He said, he may call you to do something else, but you're not going to do what he's called you to do by faith. You know, the, that's where sometimes, and I, and I have a right to say it, I went to Raymond. I mean, I, I, Brother Hagin never pointed to him. I, we were in the classroom. He said, if you don't go past me, he says, then it, it, that's a sad day for me. He said, all I'm telling you is whatever you're called to do, you're going to have to come by and pick up some faith on the way to go do it. But you got some people like, well, you know, Brother Hagin didn't teach it. We don't need it. He, he would never have taught that. He never taught that. Where they get that is, I mean, they made that up on their own. No, no one person has all of it. We have the Holy Ghost who has all of it, but he uses us differently. I mean, there's people that, you know, you listen to, others won't listen to, but someone else does. George Meyer said for years, she said, before I was on TV, I was just on the radio. She said, I helped a lot of men because of the way of the sound of my voice until they figured out I was a woman. Well, that's a mess. That's because someone took a doctrine out of Eastern culture, made, made a doctrine out of it, says, woman ain't supposed to talk. Yeah, well, you go home and tell your wife to shut up. See how that works. If there wasn't women, there wouldn't even be a church. <laughs> Jesus couldn't even get here without a woman. <laughs> I'm four mothers. Amen. Amen. Catherine Kuhlman, Maria Woodworth Hatter, all these people like this. Moves to God. Catherine Kuhlman said, she said, I said, I'll never tell you, but she said, but I wasn't the Lord's first choice. And she said, and, he, and I wasn't even the second choice. She said, I knew who they were. He told me. She said, the reason why I, he uses me is because I just told him yes. 
She said, but Lord, I, this is, you might have read it in her book. She said, the Lord is not looking for golden vessels or silver vessels. He's looking for yielded vessels. Amen. Yielded vessels who put their will aside to pick up his will. And Catherine Coomer said, she became famous for saying it, but she wasn't trying to be famous. She was just saying, I, Lord, why, why would you call me? She said, I, I don't know of any gift that I have that, you know, that, how would you use me to do that? She said, if you can take me with nothing to offer you and make something out of it, then, then I give you all of me. And that's all they needed. The Lord's not taking inventory, see, you know, if you're up to the task. We're not. We're not. He qualifies you. But there has to be a stepping out like Moses. There had to be a stepping out like Keith Moore. I mean, now you just read them songs. You, you thought he's somewhere in the record studio. No, that just came from walking from there to the piano at Raymond like, oh, Jesus. Hallelujah. I mean, I don't think Keith said, you know, yeah, it's, it's a little nerve wracking. <laughs> you know, uh, only about 8,000 people have you know, come up here. We, uh, God said you have something. <laughs> I don't care if you've been a minister for years. I mean, that, that, that's, still be a, that's still a walk of faith, isn't it? Praise the Lord. Well, we, our time is gone. Praise the Lord. But I didn't start till 10 after, so I didn't, it ain't an hour sermon. But anyway. Let's finish here this morning in Acts chapter 19. And we'll pick up here. You say, well, you didn't preach a Thanksgiving service. Well, we, we might have time for a couple verses. I don't know. Acts 19. Y'all got a couple minutes? Anybody got a couple minutes? You got something so important you can't? Amen. Acts 19, verse 1, came to pass that while Paulus was at Corinth, Paul, having passed through the upper coast, came to Ephesus, finding certain disciples. And he said to them, Have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? And they said unto him, we've not so much as even heard there be a Holy Ghost. I know, I know those people today. Now we're, we'll, we'll keep on reading. And he said to them, well then, what then were you baptized? Unto who you baptized? They said, John's baptism. Then said Paul, well John baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying to the people that you should believe on him which should come. After him, after, after John. That's on Jesus Christ. Well, they didn't know that. These people didn't even know about, you know, what happened in, on the day of Pentecost. The, they was out of town. They were living under a rock. I don't know where they was at. But they, they didn't know anything about that happened in, you know, in the upper room. So he says, uh, don't you think it's a little interesting that Paul was, was very interested? That the first thing he wants to know is, have you received the Holy Ghost? Since you believed? Now, my time's run, but I, I was going to show you that every time Paul ministered to people or others ministered to people, that they, they prayed and they prayed in other tongues. They were filled and they spoke with other tongues. And even didn't say that they spoke, it inferred it. So it, it, it's definitely a doctrine. Well, he says right here, he said, so he told them what John said, but there's one coming after him. It says, when they heard this, verse 5, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul laid hands upon them, the Holy Ghost came upon them and they spoke with tongues 
and prophesied. Now, um, for sake of time, I, and I just kind of ran out of time this morning, but uh, I just have to believe the service went the way it's supposed to. Go, go to 1 Corinthians 14, and we'll endeavor to... <laughs> Praise God. 1 Corinthians. I'm, 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 I gotta slow, I'm, I'm all excited and I can't find Corinthians. <laughs> I mean, I got a brand new Bible and trying to train it. Now, I bought two of them yesterday, a little one and a big one. And I'm just like, hallelujah. I'm already in Azusa Street somewhere, and it's like, you know, I'm, I'm in Jemison. And I'm like, you know, I'm, praise the Lord. I'm down at the jailhouse. You know, Duncan Campbell had to leave the church with what he actually did. He, walked, he went with the police and went to the jailhouse. They stood up on the jailhouse on a car, they said, on the back of a truck, and he preached and got them all saved and, you know, got them forgiven, got them filled with the Holy Ghost, got them all healed. And, and he says, yeah, they said, you don't have to be arrested, but you need to quit cussing your wife. And then, and then they all went, and, and the whole community. You know, you had all the miners down there, you know, in, in the Welsh Revival. I mean, the, the, they were miners. That, that's, that's what the economy was. And they all, got, they all got saved. In the Welsh Revival, Evan Roberts, you know, he's just 26 years old, on fire for God. Welsh Revival only lasted one year. But he had 100,000 converts. And they'd be 300 foot down in the mines now that they're saved. And they're, and they're, they're having Bible stars down there and they're singing and praying in tongues down there. But they had that major problem, you know, with the donkeys. Because they were all just unsaved and they were just crude and, and everything. They just, every breath, every other word was a curse word. And that's all them donkeys knew. When they, you know, when they packed the thing up and they wanted to move, they just they cussed the donkey and called everything but a child or a blessing to God. And that's how the donkeys moved. I mean, their, their name was that. Yeah. Now that they got saved, they can't talk like that. And the donkey don't know how to move without it. <laughs> True story. Said so they tried other means and methods, but never worked. They had to get rid of the, you know, the, the donkeys and had to get some Christian donkeys. <laughs> They'd never been trained that way. They got, so they got rid of the out with the old and in with the new. That's a move of God. A, a hundred thousand converts. And said people was just calling the church and says, you know, something's going on. My children's crying. My wife's crying. The husband's crying. Uh, they said no one, no one wants to play sports. There was no football. There was no sports. Everybody wanted to read the Bible and go to church. You know, just like the day we're living in now. Well, is that, I, I love reading that stuff, but sometimes I get mad reading it. That's that holy dissatisfaction. Well, I like being born back in some of them days. I'd like to watch them, them, them donkeys, wouldn't you, Sam? You got them to work saying that? <laughs> then you bring in the new donkeys. Jesus loves you, donkey. We love you. Mm, give, give a big hug. Pray for you, donkey. You're going to have a great day. You're going to work, but you're going to have a great day. We bless you in Jesus' name. Well, the mole donkeys, they don't do that. You have to call them, you know, whatever. And then, 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 then they giddy up. <laughs> Some of you grew up in homes like that. <laughs> you, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> it's like, I'm not that. I mean, I'm not that. <laughs> you can't call me that. I'm not even the right sex for you to call me that. <laughs> 
I better really be quiet there. Hallelujah. So 1 Corinthians 14, and we'll finish right here. We really will. Watch here. That'll give you hope right there. You come down here where y'all are. <clears throat> I'll prove second witness and we'll close. 1 Corinthians 14, verse 2. He that speaks in a what? Unknown tongue speaketh not unto men, but unto God, for no man understands him. Howbeit in the spirit he speaks mysteries. There's, there's strength. There's strength. You know, there, there's several reasons we get to, but there's, you get a strength in praying in the spirit. And then things like this get revealed to you. Things about what to do and not do or what to do that you don't need man's answers. Because you've got heaven on the inside of you. You, you, you. you just make the decision yourself because you know. And when you don't know, it's because you, you haven't taken the time to pray it out. It's just the way it works. I'm not, I'm not trying to say, you know, I'm just trying to help you. And you say, I'm running out of time. Well, we know in Jude 20, said, but beloved, building yourself up on your most holy faith, doing what? Praying in the Holy Ghost. Building yourself up, charging yourself up, edifying yourself. How are you going to do that? Speak in other tongues. A, a heavenly language, a heavenly dialect where God reveals mysteries. Well, God has a hard drive, so to speak, and you have a hard drive. And you pull off the motherboard and, oh, into, 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 it's easier for me to conduit in tongues right now. But Paul said, and there's a difference between praying in church in tongues if no one can interpret, he says, it blesses you. You give thanks well. He says, you're getting all kind of blessed. You're getting all kind of help. He said, but, but they don't understand you, so it's not helping them. So pray that you may interpret it or someone may interpret it. If they're not going to interpret it, he said, don't speak it. But that's the public side of the gift of tongues and the gift of interpretation of tongues. Had nothing to do with being filled with the Holy Ghost and speaking in other tongues, which is for every believer. There's not going to be a Baptist church in heaven. You have, you have to know that. There's not going to be no first Baptist in heaven or second Baptist. And there's not going to be any word of faith churches. Huh? There ain't going to be no grace churches. There's not going to be press. Buzz used to say Presbyterian. He did it on, he did it on purpose. There's not going to be any Methodists. There's not going to be Church of Christ. There's not going to be a Lutheran. <clears throat> there's going to be the Church of Christ. You know, one of our nicknames around here is, who are y'all? So we're, we're, we're uh, uh, HDSD. We're Holy Ghost stuff doers. <laughs> Just do that to mess with them sometimes. Amen. Well, what's in the can? Well, when you go to the grocery store, you know, you have to look on the label, see what's in the can, look at the picture. I, I, as a kid, as a teenager, I worked in the grocery store, a lot of them labels would come off. And we, if we had one come off, I mean, you're supposed to write right down there, this is Del Monte Green Beans. But sometimes we wouldn't get it all. And uh, so we asked the manager, and he says, well, I don't know. So they come up with a plan, and, and it was just put in the basket. There might be 50 cans, you know, with the label off, and we didn't figure it out before the label got off. And, and it was just 10 cents a can, and just bleed God. <laughs> I mean, if you don't like it, it's just a dime. Give it to somebody else, because after you open the can, then what you going to do with it? Well, we couldn't open the can and write on the can. <laughs> <laughs> so people don't know you and you ain't wearing your picture. But the Holy Ghost wants to open your can and let you spill out. Hey, 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 hey. <laughs> Praise God. Glory to God.
Now, so he says, he that speaks in an unknown tongue, speaking not unto man, but unto God. So I wasn't talking to you anyway, friend. I was talking to God. People say, well, I don't understand what you're saying. Well, I wasn't talking to you. I was talking to him. Right? He that prophesies speaking unto man to edification, exhortation, and comfort. He that speaketh in an unknown tongue edifieth himself. See, he builds himself, he charges himself. But he that prophesieth the church. Look at what Paul said in verse 5. I would that you all, not half, not some, not Pentecost, not denomination. I would that you all spoke with tongues, but rather that you prophesied. And then we'll get into the prophecy later on. You know, prophecy is inspired utterance. It means to bubble forth, tumble forth. I, I operate generally more in prophecy than I do tongues interpretation. Actually, the, the gift of prophecy, when you get into gifts, the gift of prophecy would be in one sense, I, I don't know if this is the right terminology, but it would be a better gift, a greater gift than tongues interpretation because it would take two gifts to do what one will do. You'd have to have the gift of tongues, then the interpretation to know what was said in tongues. Well, the gift of prophecy would just say, thus saith the Lord. But the Lord is wise. He knows what he's doing. Amen. Amen. And the thing is, you, you don't have to pick and choose. You just have to make yourself available. But she said, well, what's the, what's the best way to do it? Practice at home. Practice at home. Then, then come to church. And there'll be a place for their, their, in other words, step out. The Corinthian church was the most carnal church that Paul ever wrote to. But they had the gifts in operation more to the places he had to bring order to it. He said, every time we come to church, everyone's got a, it seemed like everyone's got a song. Everyone's got a, uh, everyone's got a, a tongue. Everyone's got interpretation. Everyone's got a prophecy. We're going to have to have some order. I always said for years, Paul would never say that in churches today. He said, every time we come to church, ain't no one got a word. Ain't no one got a tongue. Ain't no one got a prophecy. No one has anything. <laughs> He says, he said, my day, everybody thought they had everything. Y'all do. no one has anything. Nothing. They have nothing. Not even an amen. amen. Oh, thank you. <laughs> you see how hard it is to get an amen? Just like, <laughs> I imagine, I think if Paul was here, he'd say, come quickly, Lord Jesus. <laughs> I, I, I mean, his day was harder. I know that. I mean, I hadn't been beat with rods. I, don't beat me with a rod. Amen. I will call angels down. I'm going to be like Jesus. I'm help. <laughs> I don't like pain. Praise the Lord. Now, let's finish right here. Verse 13 of 1 Corinthians 14, 13. It says, Wherefore let him that speaketh in an unknown tongue pray that he may interpret. Now, remember Paul said, I speak with tongues more than you all. Well, if he was speaking in tongues more than the church at Corinth, Paul was talking in tongues in the morning and afternoon and night. If you've got to bring order to the church because everyone's talking tongues and talking over each other and trying to give messages one over another, see, he had, he had to bring order to it. God is a God of order. We just think when it's Holy Ghost, it's just like wildfire. Wow! Glory to God, let's just run. Well, I like those meetings kind of too, but after you, you know, after you fall down and get back up, what are we going to do from here? Right? I laid hands, I told you years ago, I mean, I was just getting started in ministry. And man, I'm just trying to figure out what to do next. And sometimes I was like, you know, I, don't, I can't even tell y'all because until I read the next page, I didn't even know what to do. We were having Holy Ghost meetings. <clears throat> Matt knows all about that. And, and uh, we were both having a lot of fun with it. We, we, were, having, uh, we, we were having Holy Ghost meetings in, in the Clanton Church, uh, which is now back to being a funeral home again. I wouldn't mind going down there again and have a revival. 
probably some of the family wouldn't like it. But anyway, it might be a whole lot of fun. That's why I named the church Living Word. I said, Lord, can I call this place the Living Word Bible Church? He said, that, sure. He says, and I, I remember he said, why do you want to do that? I said, there's been a lot of dead folks here. I just want to use the word living somewhere. And I said, I really don't want to buy this place. I, and I didn't want to buy the place because of that, but he told me to buy it. And, I, and then I said, but I, I don't want to buy an old funeral home. He says, well, then, then you just go do what you think and what you want. And I thought, I think buy me a funeral home. Be here, Lord. <laughs> just do what you want. I knew what that meant. Well, that's I'm telling you, but then you, know, you, you got a good plan. You go do what you think. You know so much. And then I said, we fixed buy us a funeral home. I spent a quarter million dollars trying to change that. You couldn't change it. People said, well, now, where are y'all at? Uh, I said, well, we were right next to the Board of Education. They said, oh, yeah, the old funeral home. I said, shut up. Uh, no, but we're next to the Board of Education. It's a church. Yeah, like I said, the old funeral home. Been a funeral home, what, three times? I said, I could spend $15 million. We'd still be next to the old, we'd be the old funeral home. Well, that's how we became Living Word Bible Church. Actually, still are, DBA, Grace Life Church. Hallelujah. I got two churches in one. I can hold two services at one time. Hallelujah. You know, that's got to be the Holy Ghost. <laughs> I'm pastoring two churches at the same time. <laughs> Glory to God. Now watch here. So he said, remember Paul's praying all the time. He said, but he said, for if I pray in an unknown tongue, he said, my spirit prays, but my understanding or my mind is what? It's unfruitful. Now, you say, well, you think, do you think God wants just to pray in tongues all the time? No. I really don't. I uh, interjected my opinion, which I'll tell you that when I do it. I think he wants you to pray in tongues more than probably most of us do, or we think, he, or we, think we should. But I, uh, but, but I also can read the word, and I know he does not want you to pray in tongues all the time. Why? Because you need understanding. See, you, you can be smart in the Holy Ghost in your spirit, and a complete flake up here. If you don't renew your mind and you don't find out what you're praying in the spirit. You see, I got some things written down that are orderly. I mean, I had a lesson that was that was, you know, it went like this. It made sense. This point makes sense to this point, makes sense to this point, And then we'll finish right here. Except the first 30, 40 minutes, I end up telling you stories that's not up there. And I don't have time to go through my points. And I labored over that. I know y'all don't care a whole lot. I, I care a whole lot. <laughs> I, mean, I, 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 I mean, I got red writing and blue writing and highlighters. Time spent up there. And I'm not even getting down to it. I know y'all don't feel sorry for me, but I'm just like, he's like, let, let my people go. Let, be like, Mo, let my people go. We need the big cojone chicken. <laughs> <laughs> Praise God. He says, so I, I pray with my spirit. He said, but my understanding is fruitful. Well, what is it then? He said, then I will pray with the spirit and I will pray with the understanding also. So you know right now, he's not talking about the gift of tongues and interpretation. That he, he's not saying anytime I want to give a tongue interpretation. I mean, I, I know what God wants to do at all times. So I'll, I'll just give a tongue anytime I want to. That, that's not the gift of tongues, is it? No, he said, at my will, I can pray with the Spirit at any time I want to. And at my will, I, he says, I can interpret it. 
Now, a lot of you, and if not all of you, and I think all of you are, are filled with the Holy Ghost and speaking in other tongues. But I, I, I would say I imagine a small fraction of people ever interpret what they're praying. See, you've taken that and you put it over into the ministry gift of interpretation instead of your private prayer language. And the way you do that is by practice. Some people get filled with the Holy Ghost and they speak one syllable. Some people come out for some reason like that, some fluent language. It really doesn't matter. But, but, but the more that you pray, the more that your language will be built and you, and, and you mature in it. Um, uh, John Osteen, you know, he, he, he was a Baptist minister for, what, 19, 20 years? Got filled with the Holy Ghost. And right there is the Baptist pastor, and he said they gave him the left foot of fellowship, said, no, it's not here. <laughs> Kicked him down the road. And he, took, and he went down the road and took 100 people with him. They got filled. And put up, you know, got that old feed store and it put, he's to the Lakewood Baptist Church. And now they're starting all over because the tongue talkers don't, they don't want to be, they don't want tongue talkers in there. They don't want the pastor or the 100 people going with him. So they split. So he took the name with him, Lakewood Baptist Church. He said, then we had a big storm come in there. He said, and it blew the, the word Baptist right out of there. And then they looked at it and, said, and she said, oh, John, uh, or Pastor Osteen told his wife, Dodie, he says, he said, the storm got our, he took, he said, took our Baptist. She said, I think that's revelation. And from that day, they called it Lakewood Church. I'm not against the Baptist. Thank God for the Baptist. Thank God for the body of Christ. I'm just making a point here. Amen. Huh? So he went down there and he said, he said, uh, he said, I got so hungry. He said, Lord, I, if this is you, I got to have it. I ain't sure it's you, but I think it is. He said, but there's something and I don't have it. And I just got to have it. So he packed up all of his clothes. He said, Dodie, I don't know what you're going to do. You and some others are going to have to preach. He said, I'm not going to come back home until I got the Holy Ghost. She said, how long do you think you're going to be gone? He said, I don't know. I could be gone months. <laughs> he said, I didn't know. He said, I heard about seeking Terry and all this kind of stuff. He said he'd been having breakfast with the, with the Church of God pastor in the town. He couldn't let his church know it. And he was telling about this stuff. He said, I don't know about all that, Pastor Osteen. He said, I don't know about all that, you know, just praying in tongues at will and interpretation. He says, I mean, I've mean, I, I just been talking. That's of the devil now. I passed away. And, and, and the church, so he's, but he, he, he's not sure and he's hungry. So he keeps having breakfast with the Church of God pastor. So he can't stand it more. So, he, you know, he tells Dodie, I'm just going to go off. So he packs his clothes enough to stay somewhere, you know, like three months. He said he goes into a really cheap hotel in Houston, which I imagine they got a few of them. May not be that cheap down. He said, and I really figured I was going to be there a month. He said, I got down. He said, and I started praying. Oh, Lord, I don't know about this tongue. And he said, and I had one word, kept going over and over. Otolio, 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 Otolio. And he scared himself silly with Otolio. He called that church of God pastor. He says, he says, hey, this is Pastor John. He says, I'm in trouble. He says, what's the matter? He says, I'll I, I tell you when you get here. I'm at some some little hotel, wherever he was. He said, get here quick. And the guy come, he didn't know what was happening. He says, he says, what's, what, what, what's the matter, Pastor John? What's the matter? He said, listen to this. Otolio, 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 Otolio. He said, you got it. He said, well, what have I got? He said, he said, you got the Holy Ghost. He said, thank God I didn't know what it was. <laughs> 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 and so someone made him fun, you know, around him who, who was really filled with the Holy Ghost and their tongue was real pro prolific. And they, and, and they said, Otolio, Otolio. He said, when well, you ain't had that for 19 years, Otolio's a lot. 
<laughs> he said, I lost my church. I've been talked about by the best of them. He says, I'm proud of my Otolio. <laughs> Praise God. <laughs> well, I want you to leave with here is a desire to pray in tongues some. <laughs> you know, just like, hey, see, he's right there. Why don't you just let some of that out? Come on with some volume to it. Someone said, don't you know you're on Facebook? I could care less what Facebook thinks. Y'all didn't shut me off. You can shut me off, but you can't shut me up. <laughs> Go ahead, God. Facebook, who cares? Praise God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Facebook can tell them about the meeting that's going to happen down here. When, when they're standing around the walls trying to get in. And we're all just trying to figure out what to do next. <laughs> Glory to God. People laying on the floor, marriages put back together. You ain't counseled them at all. Praise the Lord. People getting new limbs. Eyesight coming back. You know, people 80 years old feeling like they're 42. They also don't have no children then. Praise the Lord. You get that anointing on you. You know what happened to a few people. Hallelujah. So you need to, but you need to pray he said, I will, pray with, I will pray with the spirit, but I will also pray with my understanding. That's what I did. I was talking to Matt about this, and this is my final closing, really, without the scripture. I, I'll give you the best illustration, one of the best illustrations I can give you. The way that we sold the building in Clanton was during a difficult time because it was in a recession. They say that we might be in one now, or if not, we're headed to one, right? Y'all you, you ever heard that? I don't listen to the news that way. I don't listen to any, any of that kind of stuff because if the world wants to go get in one, let them go get in one. I'm not going to be in any kind of recession. I'm recession proof. Aren't you? I'm, I'm in this world, but I'm not even from here. I was born in Wayne County in Detroit, Michigan on January 9, 1962. That's where, you know, that's where the Holy Ghost dropped me off to, to uh, Eugene and Dark West. Just, just, drop, just drop some of us off over in the cold. <laughs> January 9th is cold. Dad said that car just almost didn't start. I said, what would you have done then? He says, it would have been bad because I wouldn't deliver nothing. <laughs> what was it, no Simca they had, whatever, and they couldn't get it cranked? You know, you got snow. I mean, when you live, you know, ask me, you know, neighbors help each other every day trying to get out of their own, their own yard. I mean, I know you got snow equipment in those kind of states, but I'm just talking about you get a lot of winter. And you get down to Alabama, and they said, the forecast uh, uh, looks like there's going to be some snow Thursday. You better get the store. You won't. You, I mean, the bread and milk will be wiped out. What's right, Mr. Clint? You've been in Berkshire, Minnesota. I mean, have you seen that kind of stuff happen all, every time they forecast any kind of snow? I don't want bread and milk. Who wants bread and milk? I want Mountain Dew and Dr. Pepper and Snickers. I don't want no bread and milk. <laughs> what good is that? Give me some peanut butter and some crackers. That's Holy Ghost food right there. Give me some cheese puffs and hallelujah. Something you can actually live on. Some beanie weenies in the can, right? No milk. <laughs> What am I going to do with milk? Power goes out, your milk, well, you can put it outside, I guess. Hallelujah. Well, y'all drawing in a strange way today. I don't know what this is. Praise the Lord. Y'all either need a lot of help or I do. I don't know what you want to do. But, you know, I got ready and we knew it was the time to sell the building. But it was during a recession. 
And I said, I, I, don't want, I don't want no for sale sign in front of no church. I said, you'll know it's for sale and you can tell the other realtors about it. And, and the people want to buy it. Obviously, the people who has it now. Well, actually, that's not true. The, uh, they've already passed on themselves. This guy that owns it now, he was going to be a part of it, but he was just going to help them, and now he owns it. It's pretty amazing. I mean, the whole story is amazing. But I had, well, first, I had people in the county who was in that business who was not at all happy about having competition. And they had a lot of political power, way beyond what I thought they did, and way beyond what most bankers thought they did. And not only on the local level, but on the state level, but not only that, but the government, because one of the family was a state representative for our state and stopped every loan that they ever tried to get to buy the place. And uh, so the people wanted it and they needed to take the building, buy the building, buy the land, um, turn it right back into what it was. Everything that got ripped out, they needed to put back to them, have a funeral home, you know, buy hearses, everything. I mean, they, they need a lot of money. I mean, you're trying to get a lot of money and you have a spreadsheet of what could happen, but in a recession, there's no one looking to give you $800,000. Like, who, who, who are y'all? How long y'all been in business? Oh, we're not in business yet. We need your money to start. Yeah, not so much during a recession. So I talked, uh, they, they were becoming discouraged and I knew we were supposed to sell it and I knew they were and I knew it was them. And so we, we, we talked and he says, I just feel so bad. He says, uh, I, I went to Montgomery, I went to Birmingham, I went to Mobile. Everywhere I go, they have stopped the sale of this business, of this loan. And I said, uh, well, how, how do they, when you go to different banks, he says, well, he says, just that family, they're on the board of directors of 100 banks just in Alabama. I said, oh. He says, so when it comes up, you know, you have, the board of directors have to, they have to agree on the loans. He says, so it gets shot down every time. So that family came and saw me. The, the family who opposed the sale, who was in the same business, they came and saw me. Said, we got nothing against you at all. And um, I mean, actually, I was outside working in the building. They pulled it behind me. I didn't even know they was there. Kind of like when they, when they said, hey, kind of like startled me. I was, I was by myself, you know. I was fixing something around the corner of the building where it was all washed out, putting in some dirt and sod around the basement. And one of the sons was up there and, looked, and there was a, Cadillac Escalade behind me. And he said, are you Pastor West? And I said, yeah. He said, I'm so-and-so. I said, oh, okay. Oh, yeah, okay. He said, folks, my folks just want me to tell you, we're, we're not against you. You know, we're not. But I know who you're dealing with and they're looking to buy this place. He said, just, I just want you to know, if you can find another buyer, do it. But this ain't never going to happen. He said, there ain't never going to be another funeral home in Chilton County. He said, then you take that to the bank. I, I, I want to walk in the love of God all the time with all people. I don't do really good stuff like that. Me, my, my personality, that, that, that just don't work with me really good. You, telling me to take it to the bank. But see, I, I already had a word from God. and You can take that to the bank. Now, when you look at all the natural stuff going on, there's no way for them to get an $800,000 loan in the middle of recession with a company who's never had one day of business. They got experience, but you know, no one wants to lose $800,000. And uh, when money's real tight, I was telling Matt, I said, you know, I didn't know it till later. I thought, Lord, that took forever for you to close that 10 months. <laughs> then about a year and a half later, 
the real, some of the realtors saw me and they said, there, there's, there's old Miracle Man. I said, I, and I won't, I won't say the realtor's name. I said, Miracle Man. I said, what do you mean? She said, come out to sell your building when you sold the, you know, you sold the church, the funeral. I said, yeah, well, why are you calling it Miracle? She said, that was the only property sold in Chilton, commercial property sold in Chilton County for 18 months. I said, is that right? <laughs> and I'm kind of complaining, Lord, what you, you dragging your feet. <laughs> so I, I just tell all of it. Don't you see the natural side of it? And so I was praying in tongues. And, uh, and I said, well, he ain't against me. I ain't against him either. But I know they're supposed to buy it. And I can't get them long. And uh, so I was praying in tongues extensively about it for, you know, on and off for a couple of weeks. Then one morning I got up and I was praying in tongues. And then uh, he said, um, well, don't you know what to do to close this thing? I says, well, <laughs> what do you mean, Lord? Don't I know what to do to close it? He says, you would know. If, he said, you would know if you would interpret what you're praying. And I look behind me like someone else needs to interpret. You know, I mean, I, just me, just me and him, right? He said, he said, you have the understanding. He said, you just don't ever go and ask for the interpretation. You're praying in spirit. He says, and, and you're you're charged up, you're strengthened up, so that you're not wimpy. You got that? You remember the soul commercial about hefty trash bags? You, when you build yourself up, charge yourself up in the Holy Ghost, you won't be wimpy. Watch here. See if you remember this. There was a bunch of them. Remember him? Nice. Hefty, hefty, hefty. That's what I'm talking about. Wimpy, wimpy, wimpy. Oh, I get it. Because you're so strong. Hefty, hefty, hefty. Get new Hefty Ultra Strong with Arm & Hammer Odor Control. Well, I don't know about you. <laughs> when you pray in the Holy Ghost, you become two-ply, hefty, hefty, hefty. And when then you just live by, by sight, you... Maybe, maybe, maybe. <laughs> Who wants to be hefty? Hey! I got most of y'all in there. I know. <laughs> Praise the Lord. <laughs> Amen. I, I try to do what I do in an hour, but sometimes I got a lot to fix. It's hard to fix a lot of things in 59 minutes. <laughs> we don't even meet every Wednesday. It's hard to fix everything in 59 minutes. <laughs> Amen. And some of you, you might have a, a little nail in you somewhere and you keep leaking. And, and I feel like I'm just, you know, blowing up a little bit until the next hour. They're like, low again. <laughs> Amen. I'm doing all I can do. Praise the Lord. You need to be hefty, hefty, hefty. Weepy, weepy, weepy. Pastor, would you pray for me? I'm weepy. Yeah. Pray in the Holy Ghost. Then interpret. You say, well, I don't know what the interpretation is. You think Keith Moore had the lyrics to that song sitting in the seat? <laughs> Come on up here, Brother Keith. With 8,000 people. We think you got something. Oh, boy. I, I, I would have walked like this. <laughs> I, I still wouldn't be up there. They would have already had Brother Hayes figuring out I'd just be going. <laughs> but that would have been wimpy, wimpy, wimpy. <laughs> you sometimes you just got to step out. I, we, and we got a lot of good step outers in here. Y'all done some crazy stuff. 
I mean, y'all have done, Pam's done some, I, I can tell you stories on Pam, done some wild things. She loves Holy Ghost meetings. She'll, she, she'll, she'll slap and then ask who later on. If she, if she just thinks the Holy Ghost is just moving that direction. If I was Keith and I slept next to her, I'd have one eye open all the time. You don't, you don't never know what might happen. She ain't out to hurt you. I'm just saying, but you know, it's, I mean, if she knows the Holy Ghost do it, she's going to go do it. I was preaching one time in Clanton about, you know, we, we, we need to reach the lost right now. These people, I guarantee you, they're stopping getting gas right now while I'm preaching. going to die and go to hell because we're not doing anything. Also, she just jumps up out, you know, while I'm preaching. I, I didn't know. I thought well, she's moving. She must have to go to the bathroom bad. <laughs> and, and then, you, you know, she was at, she didn't go to the bathroom. She jumped in the car, went down that gas station to see if there was someone going to hell. <laughs> I was like, hey, I ain't finished my sermon yet. <laughs> She said, yeah, but I'm hefty, hefty, hefty. <laughs> and, and you found people, didn't you? We have in church and she's leading people to Jesus. I had no idea if you preached to people might believe something. They didn't tell me people might even act on something. You, you, you would preach sometime. That was a bonus. <laughs> Some of y'all just start business, you know, with shoelaces. Like, I think I'm supposed to go in business. What you got? Well, I know how to do it. And I, you know, I got, I'm a, uh, I went to the pawn shop and pawned my, you know, my bow and arrow, my gun. Here we go. Whoo, glory to God. That was a ride, wasn't it? <laughs> Hallelujah. We're about to take the ride of our life. So I, I woke up that morning. He said, if you would interpret, he said, you would know what to do. And I said, really? And I said, can I go back and pray again? He said, whatever you want to do. So I see, I had to stir myself up because like, you know, I guess I know that, but I never thought about it like that. So I had to go back and, and I prayed in the spirit. And then I had to say, thank you, Lord. I have the understanding of this. See, when you get the interpretation of the tongue, you know what you're really getting? You're getting the renewed mind of the spirit. How would you like to get interpretation, the renewed mind of the spirit? You're getting the mind of the spirit, obviously, right? And his mind's renewed. So you can actually write down if you hear on the inside. People say, well, I don't know if I can hear. Well, Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice. The voice of strangers, they won't follow. Jesus said in John 16, everything the Father has is mine. He says, everything he has is mine. And he says, and I'm going to give it to you. And then I'm going to give the Holy Ghost and he'll, he'll tell you things that I've said. He'll remind you things i said. Then he's going to teach you some things that you ain't ready to hear. So if he's going to teach us, then we can hear. If he's going to teach us and he's supposed to teach us, that means we can learn. He's not going to teach us something we, can't, we don't know that we can't learn or we can't put into practice. So I can do any of this because he said I could. So I sat right down there and, and, and I'm negotiating you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars. This thing should have closed a long time ago. And, uh, and it was, it was full-blown recession. It, I mean, you, you could see it and feel it everywhere. Everyone was in, you know, not everyone, but a lot of folks, you know, it, it was a hard time. It was a hard time. And so I got down there and then all of a sudden, he said, uh, change the deal. Tell them that you'll finance it for a year. He said, they have $50,000 cash they can give you. And they have one year to get the loan, which will give them time to have, you know, you know, at least have one year, you know, we call it, what do you call it, year, year in statements, whatever you call them. Anyways, I can say this is our business for a year. Thank you very much. Financial records. 
I can't do all of it. Y'all have to have one year financial records. And so, uh, you know, the guy said, this ain't never going to happen. So I woke up, I, I, I started interpreting, and, and I said, I said uh, we will, we will, I'll call the guy, Tim, and I will release the building for one year, and they can give me, they have $50,000, which will put them in, and that'll give me something to go for. You think, well, that's simple. Well, uh, they didn't talk like they had any money, but there was one partner who was silent. And he was just one of the morticians. He wasn't going to be involved with the people and, you know, selling phenols. He was just going to do the body work. And he'd been doing it for his whole life. And so, but he was the one with the money. <laughs> and so I called the, the realtor and I said, oh, I'm ready to close on this thing. I said, here's the new deal. I said, you call them, tell them that I'll lease it to them for one year, uh, with no less than $50,000 down. If they don't make the loan, in 50, 000, if they don't make the loan good and pay off the balance in one year, I, then I take the building over. I'll no no money, and then they have to spend whatever it takes to put it back like it was. She says, "Well, okay. Well, I mean, I'm, it's worth a try." I said, "No, that, that that'll do it." She said, "Well, what'll do?" It? I said, "That'll close it." I said, "Never mind. Just just call and tell them." So she called them, and then I got a call back, you know, from the owner, and and, uh, and we made it Realty South, and. Um, the guy who had uh, money, he said, uh, he was a Christian and his brother was a pastor for years. Actually, his brother was my pastor all of his life, my pastor growing up. And his brother was a mortician. And he said, uh, he said, uh, he said Eric, he said, uh, um, the, Lord, the Lord gossips. And I said, what do you mean? He says, he tells all your business. He said, that's exactly how much money I got. And, and, and I said, the Lord said, he has $50,000 in the ground. And I thought, ground what? You know, I, mean, I thought, you know, ground beef, ground chuck. I mean, I, I didn't know what he was talking about, I said, but I, I heard the 50,000. He said, what did you say? I said, the Lord said you had some ground, something, but you had, you know, I'm going to need 50,000 dollars. He says, the Lord gossips. He said, he tells all your business. He said, uh, so you'll do it under that condition? I said, yeah, 50,000 dollars. One lease to be paid the balance of it, because I got to pay the mortgage off. And you got to make this to be your mortgage payments, and you're paying the insurance. If you got any kind of thing tears up, it's all yours, and uh, and I'll be out by this date. And uh, he said, uh, and then you'll sign. I said, I'll sign. He said, I'll be back in an hour. And someone said, you want me to go with you? He said, no. Uh, he was right. The money I got the fifty thousand dollars. That's all I got. I don't have a penny more. He said, and it's dug in the ground. I don't trust no banks. I'm going to go dig it up and none of y'all come with me. And he come up and he dug and he has, you know, $100 bills, 10 of them in saran wrap and uh, 50 of them. He had $50,000 in $100 bills in saran wrap and they had little dirt particles and all of them. I took them to the bank and they had to, like this, feel like they put them in the machine. <laughs> it was wild. It was that bankers just last said, we never done like this in our life. I said, well, it makes two of us. And I said, this is what you call cold hard cash. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's cold. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and that's why Troy said, he said, he said, the Lord, he gossips. And he tells us not to. He's telling you all my business. He's telling you everything about me. And I said, well, I won't tell nobody else. Well, I, I just did. And, uh, <laughs> praise the Lord. But anyway, <laughs> see, 
I didn't know until I prayed in tongues interpreted that I could go ahead and close that deal. I was just waiting and confessing. He said, that won't work. He said, I have a master plan. Now, <clears throat> the business he wanted to stop the new business was now stopped. Because you can't keep me from leasing the building. And they got $50,000 cash. So guess what's coming into county? I, I wasn't against them either. I mean, I'm not against them. I mean, that's just what, that was just the plan. Amen. So they said, well, they were mad at all of us. And they said, uh, well, it'll run a year, but it won't run past that. And I'll be real careful how I say this. Uh, but physically, the people couldn't oppose it in the year because they were dealing with medical issues and heart attacks. And, and that wasn't the Lord's doing. But I'm just saying they weren't, in, they weren't, they weren't looking to fight anybody in a year later. And now they're, they're gone to heaven. And they don't care. Amen. The point is, when you pray in the Spirit, he said, without interpretation, your mind's unfruitful. I mean, you're, you're edified, you're charged in your spirit, he said, but, but, but you're no better in your mind until you begin to interpret these things. Are, are y'all hearing what I'm saying? Yeah. So get by yourself and take some of these situations and, it, you know, it, and it may be, you may not get the interpretation if you haven't been walking this, you know, the first hour, the first day. Some things you pray over a period of time. And, and he'll, and he'll it'll be like a, a precept upon precept, little upon little, or you may get the whole plan just right away. But you'll open the door. So when, when Paul went there and laid the hands on, or Ananias, he went to Paul, laid hands you know, off the road to Damascus. He was blind for three days. You remember that? And God told Ananias, he said, go into the place called Straight. There's one called Saul. He said, he's a chosen vessel for me. He says, and, and he said, I've revealed to him things that he must suffer for my name's sake. He's chosen for me. And, and Ananias said, and Lord, I, I've heard about this guy. I mean, he's, he's a bad dude. Uh, you, do I really have to go meet him? He says, it's okay. I've chosen him. And he says, he's blind. Uh, he's been blinded well, on the road to Damascus. He says, go lay hands upon him that he might receive his sight. Well, when he got there, Saul of Tarsus, before he was Paul, had a vision while he was blind that a man, and he was given Ananias' name. Well, lay hands on you, receive your sight. Now, here's something interesting, just interesting. When you go ahead and read the story, which I thought I was going to read this morning, you'll see when Ananias goes in, he says, he says Brother Saul. Now he's calling him brother. There was no one calling him brother, but now he's in, he's in the Lord. He knows he's of God. He knows he's born again. He lays his hands on him, and uh, he says, and he sees his side, and he said, and, and and he laid the hand on him to receive the Holy Ghost. Well, there was nothing in the instruction that said, and make sure you get him filled with the Holy Ghost. Paul's whole ministry, he was very concerned about whether you was filled with the Holy Ghost and you spoke in other tongues. The Lord used him even so much more than any other disciples or the apostles to write um, several letters that make up half the New Testament. A man who's filled with the Holy Ghost and told you it's very important that you stay full that you speak in tongues more than the rest of them, but that you interpret so that you'll have the mind of Christ. So you, you got everything here, but without the interpretation of it, 
it, it brings you no benefit because you don't know how to do business, you don't know how to fix the marriage, you don't know how to, this family situation, the kids situation, whether I should do this or whether I should do that. But the answer is already in you if you'll just take time, separate yourself and speak it out. God bless you.